0: 2005 UTC, right after the international news.
1: Stand up! Stand up! Stand up!
2: Stand up! Friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America.
1: Voice of America! Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the April 4th edition of the Sunny Side of Sports. African football champion Senegal has been drawn with Ecuador, the Netherlands, and host Qatar in Group A for the 2022 World Cup. For analysis... Iron Mike Mbonye contacted the chief football writer at ACLsports.com,
3: Fisayo Dairo. I do sincerely think that Group A is a balanced group, and any of the countries can fancy their own chances of progressing out of that group. And for African champions, Senegal, I think that's the best group they can ever dream of having at the Mundia yes they'll be facing the netherlands and their first group game but they also have ties coming up against host qatar who are not particularly a big footballing nations so of course this is a first time at the mundial when they are hosting and we also have a quarter who are just an average south south american side so i think senegal are in a pretty decent group and should be able to get something out of it all the four teams if they do their homework well respectively can I also believe that they can progress because when you look at what these teams have done in the past couple of years, you know that there is no particularly exceptional sides among these four. They can always face one another according to the talents that they have on paper, according to the pedigree they have as well in the past couple of years. That's why I think it's, it's going to be an interesting group for the neutrals.
0: The Teranga Lions of Senegal are known to be resilient. Do you think the presence of Netherlands and other teams in the group will scare them?
3: I actually do not think the presence of the Orange Boys of Netherlands should scare um, the Teranga Lions of Senegal. Why? Because I don't think the, the current Netherlands side are the same side of 1998 or of 2014. Yes, they are gradually churning out um, a number of young players now, gradually becoming a force in world football. Likes sort of Frankie de young Virgil Van Dyke from Liverpool, uh, Memphis Depay. But do they even have enough um, top-quality players like the Dutch, uh, like the Senegalese have? I honestly don't think so. So, Senegal should not really be scared of them. I think Netherlands should really be wary of them because these two teams will come toe-to-toe in their first game at the Mundial. So it's going to be winner-takes-all among these two sides because whoever wins that game might go ahead to finish top of the group. So for Senegal, I think it's a pretty good draw for them. Yes, on paper, Netherlands look to be the most difficult team and that's the first team they're going to be playing against before they now think of facing... Qatar, with their vociferous crowd. But I do think that with the composition of this group, Senegal really, really stand a chance to progress from the group and perhaps make um, quality their record of the 2002 tournament in Korea and Japan when they got to the quarterfinal stage at the very
0: least. The Kata goals of Tunisia are in Group D with World Cup defending champion France, Denmark, and the winner of the playoffs between UAE, Australia, and Peru. What's your take on the group?
3: When you consider the strength and the quality of the Carthage Eagles of Tunisia, you would think that they are in a little bit more difficult group, perhaps, than the African champion Senegal. Why? It's because they have two strong European sides in their group, the Le Blue two-time champions of the world, France and Denmark, who also have um, a pretty decent record of at least getting to quarter-final stages at the World Cup here in their group. So it's going to be very difficult for them. France are the defending champions of this one and they still boast of some of the top footballing talents in the world, likes of Kylian Mbappé, likes of Paul Pogba, likes of Karim Benzema and so on and so forth. And for the Danes as well, they are very tactical and technical side and um you you do fear for tunisia i must say yes the final game the final opponent will come out of the uae australia peru and paper yes um this these tunisians could stand tall against uh, UAE-Australia, but not against Peru, if you ask me. So I think negotiating the ties against the two Europeans will be the major concern for the Tunisians. Um, they have not really been in the best kind of form in the past couple of years as well. And um, I'm sure Tunisians back home will be worried with this kind of group they've been drawn
0: into. The category goal did not do well in the 2021 outcome. Do you think there were some things around before the World Cup?
3: I'm very sure that a lot of people will agree with me that, on paper, the Carthage Eagles of Tunisia seem to be the poorest African team that have qualified for these forthcoming FIFA World Cup finals in Qatar. Yes, from... Being eliminated at quarter-final stage at the last Africa Cup of Nations, of course, it was a miracle to many that they were able to eliminate Nigeria at the round of 16, and at this particular round of qualifications, they managed to edge out Mali, in on aggregate over our two legs. And although they boast of some emerging young talents like Anibal Medjbri of Manchester United, I, I do not think it is. Um, Quite sufficient for us to anticipate a turnaround in their fortunes within eight months. Yes, they, I'm sure they will now start coming to Europe and their league to look for more worthy talents to represent them. But when you consider the quality of opposition they will face at the World Cup finals, it's difficult to see Tunisia making any headway at the Mundial. Um, I'm sure their coaches and of course, the federation knew that they have their work cut out for them, but realistically, I don't see them advancing from that group where they have France, Denmark, and either of UAE, Peru, or Australia.
1: That's Fisayo Dairo, the chief football writer at aclsports.com. And Fisayo spoke with Iron Mike Gambonier on the telephone from Port Harcourt. Nigeria. The Football Association of Zambia has expressed condolences to the family of Dr. Joseph Kabungo, who recently died in Nigeria on official duty with the Confederation of African Football. Dr. Kabungo was the CAF FIFA medical officer at the March 29th World Cup qualifier between Ghana and host Nigeria in Abuja. He reportedly died of a heart attack after the game kabungo was a team doctor for the zambia national team that lifted the africa cup in 2012 in gabon the football association of zambia says it is waiting for the official report after an investigation into the death of the Cafifa fifa medical officer for more reaction to the death of Dr. Kabungo, VOA's Peter Cloti spoke with Sidney Mungala, a spokesman for the Football Association of Zambia.
4: We are all very shocked. Uh, it is something that happened out of nowhere. Uh, I remember this was just a routine match, uh, or the, final, uh, the final leg uh, qualifier for the World Cup between uh, Nigeria and Ghana. Uh, so he was just assigned a routine role as a calf medical officer for that particular game. And uh, obviously the expectation was that uh, this was just one of the usual activities that uh, doctors go through at football matches. So we were very shocked initially when we learned that there was someone who had died unofficial because initially there was no name attached to to the death when the report started filtering through. Sadly, we were notified by uh, CAF and also the host uh, nation that the person who had died has been uh, identified as Zambian and is a medical doctor. So from that perspective, we were still very shocked. Uh, We made aware that the the cause of death has been uh, identified as a cardiac arrest in the aftermath of uh, that game that ended the 1-1 uh gifting ghana qualification to the world
0: cup has the football association of zambia extended your condolences to the family of dr kabungo especially since he played a key role in zambia
4: football Yes, uh, the first president himself, uh, Mr. Andrew Kamanga, was among the earliest people to uh, actually uh, na- announce to the nation that uh, the death had been confirmed and also he has extended his condolences to the family of uh, Mr. Ka- Dr. Kabungo and also the football family because uh, Dr. Kabungo also served uh, in FAS as a national team doctor for many years. He was part of the team that won the 22 of Africa Cup of Nations. He was a team doctor. And after that, he was elevated to uh, being a CAF medical officer. He was involved in various uh, uh, CAF games, including a continental competition. Even the last Africa Cup of Nations final uh, between Senegal and Egypt, he was a COVID medical officer assigned for that responsibility. He was also recent in Qatar for the FIFA Arab Cup, which is a precursor for the FIFA World Cup. Uh, So he has always been involved in these uh, football activities and uh, also he has been uh actually part of the officials that we are being uh identified to be part of the fifa world cup so he has been a role model to many upcoming uh football administrators and also medics in the game and uh, we are very uh certain that he had to go at a time that uh, many people have been looking up to him to provide uh, uh, an outstanding example for would be uh, uh doctors or many other people involved in the game sydney
3: any role that FAS or football association of zambia will play in the ceremony that would lead to his burial
4: obviously at every stage we are being uh, involved uh, we are remember he was on duty at CAF. Uh, at CAF, obviously the recommendation always comes from the uh, host, uh from the mother board, which is a fund. so even uh when he's been assigned these responsibilities the is by CAF or fifa they've always come through the association so even uh, the process of repatriation of his body, of course, we work with the government. He was a Zambian citizen uh, who was on duty outside our borders, obviously government to play a role. But uh, obviously, in terms of the football protocols and uh, also acknowledging the, his contribution to the game, uh, we are going to be involved at every stage and I uh, hope that uh, we can give him a befitting uh, send-off because... Uh, he did so much for the game, and we can only celebrate his life by uh, giving him a befitting send-off.
1: That's Sidney Mungala, a spokesman for the Football Association of Zambia, and he spoke with VOA's Peter Cloti from Lusaka, Zambia.
0: Sport greetings. This is Binga James, an African football analyst. You're listening to The Sonny Side of Sports on The Voice of America.
5: Join me, Heidi Adams, on the next Straight Talk Africa. I'll have an exclusive interview with Wankele Mene, Secretary General of the African Continental Free Trade Agreement, set to be the world's largest free trade zone. Plus, a new report reveals a link between the media's portrayals of Africa on the next Straight Talk Africa. This Wednesday at 18.30 UTC.
0: You're listening to the sunny side of sports on the voice of america
1: prince nesta joins us now for a look at the weekend highlights in the major european club football leagues sporty greetings prince sporty
0: greetings to you too sunny Manchester United salvaged a one-all draw against Leicester City in a match that was played at Old Trafford. Nigerian striker Kelechi Heianacho put the visitors ahead in the second half before Brazilian midfielder Fred leveled three minutes later for the Red Devils. United are currently seventh in the table with more than 20 points, separating them with Premier League leaders Manchester City and second-placed Liverpool. United boss Rafragnik reacted to his side's draw against the Foxes.
5: I think the second half was the better one. Uh, we were struggling in the first half to start with to find our rhythm. Uh possibly because of that long break and uh, the international break. Most of the players were were on international duty. As I said, second half was better uh, than giving away a goal on a transitional moment that we had ourselves. uh, uh, It made life easier. I think the reaction after that goal that we conceded was good. It was okay. We came back, scored a goal um, and then in the last 15 minutes had two or three good moments where we could have scored the winning goal but we didn't. So in the end... uh, we are not happy with the
0: result, but I think uh, overall the second half was okay. Goals from Matt Duhati, Son heung Min, Emerson Royal, Fabian Chai, and Steven Baguine helped Tottenham Hotspur thrash Newcastle United 5 1 in a match that was played at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Spurs manager Antonio Conte reflected on his team's performance.
6: Tottenham is in the race. Is in the race for, uh, to reach. Uh, uh, yeah, an important, an important uh, target in uh, in this league because I repeat, this league is very, very difficult to try to to be in the race uh, for a place in Champions League. But we want to stay there, we want to stay there uh, uh, until the end. Uh, then. Uh, we to to try to continue to, to play in this way with uh, this uh, intensity, with this uh, accuracy, with this uh, tension. I think my team is improving, is improving in many aspects, and uh, the tactical, technically, in the mentality. And uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy, I'm very happy, and uh, I was happy also before uh, the international break. And I said that it was a pity that we had to stop. But what I asked I ask my players today was to restart in the same way that we
0: left and uh it was good newcastle united boss also shared his thoughts on the match second half was very difficult steve we um i thought we chased the game
6: far too early i thought we were quite um expansive took risks with the ball in areas that you can't against against these types of teams and i think they had the quality to punish us and the second half was very difficult we were trying different things to um to make us more solid in the second half. It's funny because the first half I thought we were excellent. We were we were diligent. We um, blocked the right holes. I thought we defended uh, in the right way, and we didn't take too many risks with the ball. And yeah, I at halftime I was very pleased. The minute we conceded the second goal, and we started to chase the game. I just felt we did it far
0: too early and left ourselves very open. Newcastle United are 15th with 31 points, nine clear of the relegation zone. while Spurs moved into fourth spot on goal difference ahead of their London rivals Arsenal, who have two games in hand and face Crystal Palace on Monday. Danish soccer star Christian Eriksen scored his first goal for Brentford as the Bees registered a resounding 4-1 victory against Chelsea. German footballer of Sierra Leonean descent Anthony Rudiger's sensational long-range strike gave the European champions an early lead before Vitaly Janov leveled just a minute later to spark a three-goal spree in ten minutes for the visitors. Chelsea boss Thomas Tuchel spoke after his team's shock Premier League defeat.
5: Obviously, it was strange because we were working hard for that first goal, and we know how hard it is to create chances against Brentford. I mean they defend either very high in man mark or they defend very, very deep in a, in a block of ten men around the box. So it's very hard to create chances, and you need to be patient, have a fluid rhythm, and you need to be very intelligent to or like and also clinical to 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 take little chances. Um, to have that first goal and to to break that block down and once we had it we, we stopped defending and give three goals away in 10 minutes which is very untypical and which of course killed the game today for us I don't know why we gave away a big chance straight after the goal and, and straight away the next one, which was a goal. And, and, and from there, we did not defend mature enough. We did not, I, I think we were not aware of the danger in, in these moments, and which is also very strange for us.
0: Brentford boss Thomas Frank was proud of his team's performance.
5: Today, we managed to, to create these opportunities. Also, what I liked was that actually we played a very good first half as well. um, I think we started very well and maybe we could have scored a goal there. And then, so what I liked was that we were brave, we, we, we also wanted to press high uh, a lot of times, and, and actually we, the, the 1-1 goal is after a high press that we win it and then uh, produce um, um, a goal. So now, big moment for, for the
0: club. The Blues remain on course to finish in the top four, but we'll need a major improvement when they face Real Madrid in the Champions League quarterfinals on Tuesday. In another fixture, for staff strikes from Kevin De Bruyne and I.K. Gundogan ensured Manchester City registered a routine 2-0 victory against Burnley. Diogo Jota and Fabinho also helped secure Liverpool's 2-0 home win over Watford. The Reds' 10th consecutive Premier League victory. Liverpool manager Eugen Klopp praised his squad. Big compliment to Watford and especially um, Roy, who... Obviously um,
5: probably when we bring him back when he's 80 he will set up a team and, and organize a team in a, in a really in a really good way so um, they defended the spaces really well and we could have done definitely better but it's not too interesting today we needed we needed um, maturity we needed um, desire that to come. The counter-press was the best I saw for a long time play today, um, but with the ball, we could have been slightly more creative, um, offering more runs in behind, stuff like this. Um, so, But we scored the two goals and controlled the game in other parts, needed Ali once, that's it.
0: That was Liverpool manager Jürgen Klopp sharing his thoughts after his side defeated Watford in the Premier League. Moving on to the French league, French star of Cameroonian descent Kelly Mbappe struck twice while also creating goals from Brazilian superstar Neymar and seven-time Ballon d'Or winner Lionel Messi to help a recent germain cruise past Lyon 5-1 at home. Second place, Marseille also registered a 4-2 win at Saint-Etienne. courtesy of goals from Dimitri Payet, Timothy, Senegalese forward Bamba Dieng, and French midfielder of Moroccan descent Amin Herit. Third place, Rene, under one old door against Nice, while Monaco beat Metz 2-1, with French striker of Tunisian descent with Sam Benyedet extending his league-leading goal tally to 18. Finally, in the Spanish La Liga, French star of Algerian descent Karim Benzema scored two penalties to help Real Madrid secure a 2-1 victory at Celta Vigo. The Los Blancos are now 12 points clear at the top of the La Liga table with eight games left to play. Pedri's second half strike and Barcelona 1-0 win against Sevilla, where Luis Suarez and Yael Félix's goals helped Atletico Madrid cruise to a 4-1 win against Solovil.
1: Thank you, Prince Nesta, for that spicy package of European club football highlights. The Basketball Africa League is back.
4: Voice of America joins forces with Africa's Premier Men's Basketball League to bring you the second season of the BAL. 38 games,
0: 12 teams leaving it all on the court in Senegal, Egypt, and Rwanda to determine the 2022 season champion.
1: Tune in to VOA
4: 24-7, FMs, and to our radio and TV affiliates for some action. Pre-game, play-by-play, post-game daily highlights delivered by our finest commentators. Basketball Africa League 2022 on Voice of America. May
1: the best team win. basketball africa league 2022 will resume saturday april 9th when 2021 champion zamalek of egypt will host cobra sport of south sudan in the opening nile conference game in cairo on sunday april 10th there will be two more games in cairo fap of cameroon will play espor fukash of the democratic republic of congo And the Cape Town Tigers from South Africa will face Petro de Luanda of Angola and VOA English Radio will be broadcasting all three of those games in US women's college basketball the Gamecocks of South Carolina defeated the Huskies of Connecticut Sunday night 64 to 49 to win their second national title in Minneapolis, Minnesota the AP's Dave Ferry tells us more. Destiny Henderson scored a career-high 26 points, and Aaliyah Boston had a double-double as the Gamecocks shut down UConn 64-49. Boston finished with 11 points and 16 rebounds to help South Carolina become the first team to beat UConn in 12 NCAA title games.
5: Coach, did a great job of scheduling us a hard non-conference schedule, which kept us prepared, and we were able to fight through all of those games, and so it just showed how... Um, determined we were to continue to be successful.
1: The Gamecocks out-rebounded the Huskies by 49-24, including a 21-6 advantage on the offensive glass. Connecticut shot just four for 16 from three-point range. Paige Beckers was the lone Husky to score in double figures, finishing with 14. I'm Dave Ferry. Thanks, Dave. In U.S. men's college basketball... The Jayhawks of Kansas will play the Tar Heels of North Carolina in the national title game later Monday night in New Orleans, Louisiana. The AP's Gethin Koolbaugh has this preview for us. A meeting of Blue Bloods will decide the college basketball men's national championship. The Tar Heels last won in 2017 and are seeking their seventh title in their 12th appearance, but first under first-year head coach Hubert Davis.
0: The foundation of Carolina basketball will always be here because it's been tried and tested and proven successful, and I've experienced it.
1: Meanwhile, the Jayhawks are in pursuit of a fourth title in their 10th appearance and the school's first title since 2008 in Coach Bill Self's fifth season you have an opportunity to be in the game uh, most years Uh, you need to Take advantage of that. The game is a rematch of the 1957 National Championship that saw North Carolina prevail over a Wilt Chamberlain-led Kansas team, 54-53, in overtime. I'm Gethin Coolbaugh. Thanks, Gethin. In the semifinals, North Carolina defeated state rival Duke 81-77 in what's being described as one of college basketball's classic encounters. There were multiple lead changes throughout the exciting game which ended the career of Duke's 75-year-old Hall
2: of Fame coach, Mike Krzyzewski. I'm proud of what my guys have done. And uh, they've been an amazing group for me. The youngest team I've coached. And uh, we had our chances tonight. And uh, they made more. They made a couple uh, more plays than we did. Coach
1: K also talked about the emotional atmosphere in Duke's
2: locker room after the loss. I wanted my seasons to end where my team was either crying tears of joy or tears of sorrow because then you knew that they gave everything. And I had a locker room filled with guys who were crying. Duke players were crying and
1: so were Duke fans as they reflected on Mike Krzyzewski and one of the greatest coaching careers in basketball history. He was head coach at Duke from 1980 to 2022, during which he led the Blue Devils of Duke to five national titles. Among men's college basketball coaches, Only the late John Wooden of UCLA has won more NCAA championships with 10. In addition, coach Mike Krzyzewski led the USA to three consecutive Olympic gold medals in men's basketball at the 2008 Beijing Games. The 2012 London Olympics and the 2016 Rio games. He says
2: family is his focus right now. I think when you when you have three daughters 10 grandchildren and you've been through quite a bit you're used to taking care of the emotions of the people you love and that you're responsible for and that's where I'm at and uh, I'm sure at some time I'll deal with this you know in my own way but uh, for right now, we need to deal with it with our family. The now retired Mike Krzyzewski
1: gets a sunny side of sports salute for his great basketball coaching career. He was inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame in 2001. Over the weekend, the Basketball Hall of Fame announced its class of 2022 Argentine guard Manu Ginobili, who won four NBA titles with the San Antonio Spurs, as well as an Olympic gold medal in 2004, headlines the Hall of Fame class. It also includes another former NBA star, Tim Hardaway Sr. Now Tim's son, Tim Hardaway Jr., plays for the NBA's Dallas Mavericks team. Others who will be enshrined in the Basketball Hall of Fame are former WNBA stars Swin Cash and Lindsay Whalen, NBA coaches George Carl and Dell Harris, WNBA coach Marianne Stanley, US Men's College basketball coach Bob Huggins, and NBA referee Hugh Evans. The official induction ceremonies will take place September 10th at the Basketball Hall of Fame, located in the northeastern U.S. city of Springfield, Massachusetts. This is the voice of America. Washington, D.C. Finally, a player who may one day earn induction into the Basketball Hall of Fame is Cameroonian star Joel Embiid of the Philadelphia 76ers. Embiid was the NBA's high scorer on Sunday. He fired in 44 points and also grabbed 17 rebounds as Philadelphia scored a 112-108 road victory over the Cleveland Cavaliers. Embiid was questionable coming into the game because of a sore ankle, but he dominated down the stretch as he and the 76ers get ready for the upcoming NBA playoffs. And that wraps up the April 4th edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington, and that's the sunny side of sports. I get it.